0: Okay, today the scripture is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 19, and then from 29 to 37. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Should I read, sorry, should I read um, 20 down, or are we skipping to 29? Okay, <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go to um, verse 29 then. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is of he whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Grace. Now I'd just like to invite up Kate, who's going to give a missionary update, and she'll be followed by her husband, Dave, after that, to present our me- uh, the message for us this morning. So welcome, Kate and Dave.
2: Good morning. good morning. It is so, so good for us to be back in the same building with you all. Um, we've streamed many a service from 1st Kong but um, just to be here with you even those who are online um, it's just yeah uh, I guess it's kind of how Paul felt in 1st Thessalonians two seventeen. he said but since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time um, in person not in heart we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face so here after three years we're finally back we're so happy to be back we can go to the next slide um, okay, I guess we can skip even to the next slide. So it's probably best to reintroduce ourselves since it's been so long, and just to realize like that the two boys that are with me are not just my new security detail. Um, so we are Dave and Kate and our kids Nathaniel, who is Nyon, 15, Jerome, 13, and Taya, um, 11. Um, we have felt called to live um, in the Middle East, and to let others see how our lives are shaped by following Jesus. Um, And it's a country where dropping in to plant a church and then leaving is just not how it works. So we've been there for 18 years um, watching what God is doing. Go to the next one. Um, So our life looks pretty normal. Uh, (laughs) We both work at a school, um, which our children also attend, and Dave has been working in admin for the last five years and has been influential to decisions that are that bring our school forward. Um, I've just switched from teaching, we can go to the next one, um, grade two English. I was doing that for six years, and, and I'm going to be starting grade four or five science in this coming year. And our kids are attending grade six, eight, and 10, respectively. And so we're all done with elementary school. Um, It's been pretty cool to see like the places where we can speak into people's lives. Um, We can go to the next one. Um, Sometimes that looks like just uh, letting people know that we're praying for them um, through really difficult times. We've been to what they call aza, which is like funerals. Um, We've been to baby celebrations. We've prayed people through suffering. We've rejoiced with people who've graduated or gotten married. Um, and it's been a blessing to have conversations with people who know that we pray for them in Jesus' name and they ask us to pray anyway. So we can go to the next one. Um, it has also been a huge blessing to see our kids having conversations about what their faith in Jesus means to them. So watching them grow in their faith and at the same time as trying to find ways to explain it to others is just one of the biggest privileges I've ever experienced. Um, and we're praying for their friends and their families now, too. Um, The Word of God also has become a greater priority in our family's life, and so we're very thankful for that. Um, And of course, COVID was not anything that we really wanted to go through any more than anyone else in the world. Um, We are so thankful, though, that in the summer of 2019, uh, we moved to a small compound with a, a shared yard and a swimming pool, Um, And a view of a bay. (laughs) Um, And at the at that time, we thought we were only moving there from our apartment um, because it was like a good deal for a chance to live in a house. Um, But our father God knew what He was doing, and we were settled in there when everything got locked down, and our kids had nowhere to go. So thank God we were able to get out. Not a bad view. (laughs) Um, And God also equipped us for coping. And we were just amazed at the resilience of our children as they navigated learning online, socializing less, developing new hobbies and skills, and uh, managing with increased health measures. So we survived only the second hot summer that we've stayed in our sweltering little island um, with some staycations and good friends to bubble with. Um, We have had to say goodbye to several rounds of good friends, um, one of whom was... He was the principal of our school, but he and his family meant so much more to us, and uh, it was really hard to see them go. Um, but God has been guiding us through the change in leadership, and the new principal is finding her way. Um, please do be in prayer for the school leadership, as we sort of exist between this in this tension between what's best for the school and what needs to be done in order to fulfill some people's expectations. So those sometimes are in conflict. Um We also need wisdom for which relationships to invest in and develop and to know which doors are open to walk through. Um, We've been privileged to help lead the teens in our church um, since we resumed our in-person gatherings, Um, and so we do a Bible study that coincides at the same time as the sermon in that time. So pray for the teens in our church uh, to grow in community together and in their walk with Jesus um dave too has been joining some efforts in equipping churches of expats uh so people who come from all over the world um who are passionate about sharing their faith and that they would be able to to help them to be able to do it sensitively and um, effectively um so we can be praying for that and lastly we need prayer to um for god to continue to call us where he wants us and for us to be responsive and obedient. Thank you so much for being present with your prayers and support over these last three years, and we have so appreciated being connected to this body from afar, and knowing that we have the same vision and purpose in the different locations that we are.
1: Can we pray for you before we start uh, reading from God's word and sharing? Let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for being with us um, over many, many miles and many, many hours and days and years even. Thank you that you bind people's hearts together and you help us to serve you when we're near and when we're far. And now that we're together, and Father, we ask that you will bless our time this morning, that we will hear from you and that we will go forth from here uh, with a renewed sense of of purpose, a, a renewed sense of encouragement and hope, in Jesus' name, Amen. So yeah, as Keith said, it's really good to be back, and and uh, I, I I don't think that we can quite put into your heads how it felt for us on those days, especially in the early days in 2020, when we were kind of we were stuck at home, and and maybe it, it was even here. I'm sure it was difficult, but you made it look easy. Uh, to get quickly from an in-person setting to going online and so we weren't as fast where we were the churches were not and so we we were with you we stuck with you for a while and and would make sure that we joined on Sunday afternoons it was Sunday afternoons our time after a, after a day of work we'd we'd come home and we'd we'd watch Joe and, and her little puppets and and then uh, through the worship with Carl and so we're calling so it was it was really a special thing for us to feel that we were still part of you. Um, yeah, so here we are we're going to talk this morning about testimony and as Kate mentioned the last the last year and a half or so I've been working with a kind of a group of trainers in the country where we serve to work with s- some people some churches from different people groups that may not have uh, quite the same opportunities that we've had to, to learn and to share so we've been talking about evangelism and what that might look like in the place that we live but i think it applies here as well and so we're going to talk about testimony but i'm more of a trainer than a preacher normally so you'll find that there might be some times where i ask questions and then, because we're in this setting, I'll give you the answers. But normally, it wouldn't be like that. It would normally be, okay, now go in your group, sit down and talk about this for five minutes, and then come back, who has something to share? Right. So maybe you might get that sort of a, a, a vibe. That's why that's happening, because that's how I'm, I'm used to things happening. So, but, so if you hear some good questions, feel free to write them down. Maybe in your small groups or in, in your, with your family, you might want to talk about them throughout the week. But if not, hopefully there's something for you today, too. Um, it's testimony. So a Sunday school teacher was uh, trying to impress upon a class of boys uh, how important it was to, to live the Christian life. And so as part of that process, he asked them, so like, why do people call me a Christian? And they had to really think hard. And finally, they said, maybe they don't know you very well. <laughs> um, so I just wanted us to think about that today, that a testimony really is both what we say and what we do, right? The testimony is uh, the words that we have to talk about, are the faith that's inside of us and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, but it's also the way we live our lives and how that comes across. And not just individually, but how we as a community of believers interact with each other. I think I've... I'm sure I've shared this story before but it was a long time ago of a time when uh, at the school where we live there are a number of uh, Christian staff but there's also a number of Muslim staff and Hindu staff and definitely the kids are mostly uh, Muslim. And so we're we're all doing life together, right? And so sometimes that means that even the Christians get on each other's case. And so there was one time where that happened and one of our uh, older uh, Christian, male teachers and one of the older Christian female teachers, one Lebanese, one Egyptian, they got in a bit of a conflict. And so one of them said, I think it was, I think it was the, the guy, he said to the lady uh, something a bit rude. And it happens, right? It's, it's life. But what doesn't happen where we are is forgiveness. And so after three or four hours, publicly, he came back to her and apologized and said, that was wrong of me. That was a bigger witness to the staff around us than all of the things that that they probably spent, you know, two months trying to talk about. The fact that they could forgive each other and not just move on, but build a new relationship out of that, right? So witness is not just what we do on our own, it's also what we do together and how we as a body of believers take care of us. And that's just one, not a small example. Forgiveness is a huge thing. But we can also talk about that in the way that we fellowship with one another, the way that we encourage one another, the way that we care for each other when we have needs. Right? So as a body, of, as a church, people are watching that, and they should be watching that. right? There should be something in the way that we live our lives that says, this, these are people of God. These are people that know who Jesus is and affects the way that they do things. So what is testimony? Right? What is testimony? What do we do? when we give our testimony, um, what do we say? Are there certain words that Christians should use? How do we talk, uh, what, what do we talk about when we, when we share the faith that is in us? And why do we even use those words? Um, so, again, these are questions. I want you to take those back so you can think about them. But some of the things that came back to us when we were having these sorts of discussions with people. Well, testimony is words, right? Testimony is what we say. It is important that we know the, what, who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives and what impact it's made, right? So testimony has that aspect. This is, what I was, this is what I would be like or what I was like and this is what I'm like now because of what Jesus has done in my life. That's part of testimony. There's also an aspect to testimony that is doing, right? Like we were talking about, is how our life shows that Jesus is inside, that the Holy Spirit is affecting uh, the way that we do things. So God cares that our words line up with our actions, right? Sometimes we, ha- we do. Some, some of us work that way. We act and that's great. We, we are out there and we're acting like Jesus would act. But it's important that our words line up and show people why it is that we act that way. But then others of us are the other way around. We like to talk and we can talk about Jesus, we can talk about our faith. Well, it's really important for us that our actions line up with those words, right? Both of those things have to happen. So if you're a a word-first person, make sure that the actions get get in alongside. If you're an action-first person, wonderful. But once in a while, it's important to let people know why those actions are there, right? What is the difference? What's causing them? So this morning, we're going to focus on the testimony of John the Baptist and what can we learn from John the Baptist's testimony so grace read for us part of that passage and again this week there's a bigger passage there right we started at verse 19 and we went to 37 but we skipped a whole lot of verses because time but there's not such a big issue with time throughout a whole week so so you can go back through that and read some of that and i'm going to be talking i'll be pulling parts out of the middle section too so Um, so what can we learn from john the Baptist's testimony we'll talk about that Um, what does John the Baptist talk about? Or maybe we should change that question. Who does John the Baptist talk about? Right? You can already see where this is going. And what happens when people listen, like really listen to what he has to say and respond to that, to his testimony? So I'm hoping today that wherever God finds you on your journey, that there'll be something here for you today. Um, maybe you need to hear what it is that John to say or who it is that he has to introduce and that's wonderful there are lots of people here uh, to talk with that about later as you as you meet jesus um maybe though there is you're in a stage where you know who jesus is maybe that's your testimony too but how do we share that testimony and what do we focus on um so john has a lot to say about that and there is there might also be the case where your light is shining, right? Like you're out there and God's using you. And again, how do those words line up with those actions or vice versa? God has you speaking, how do your actions line up with those words? And then there's also the case that maybe you find yourself kind of as a lone ranger. Well, you're not. There's people around you. How can you how can we together pull each other together and say, "Hey, let's be the people of Christ. Let's be a witness and a testimony." As a body of Christ here in Halifax, and hopefully by looking at us, you can see it 's not just here in Halifax you, you have arms and fingers and limbs all over the world Good um, Ronick there 's a really i think it 's cool, so, but this is a teacher of me thinking it 's cool. The next slide this is what we call a oh what is it that we call it' it's a, a word a, a word diagram so this is a um, so what I did is I took the John 1, 19 to 37, and I stuck it into this little program. And all the words pop up. And if, if the word's used over more than once, it gets a little bit bigger. And if it's used only once, it's small. And if, if it's used five or six or seven or eight times, it gets huge. So this is John 1, 19 to 37, done that way. So what do you see? What's the biggest word? Said. So John, John, John 1, 19 to 27 is very, very big on this uh, John said, or Jesus said. It's all about what they had to say. Not all about. There's lots of other cool things there, too. Sent and no and answered. Wait, answered is also a speaking word, right? So this is a, this is a neat trick. Sometimes if, you, if you're stuck, take out all the connector words, like and and to and the, and just put in a Bible verse and see what's really going on. So this is one of the ways you can do that. So John said. A lot of this had to do with John saying. So for, for one thing, why did they do it this way? Like why is the beginning of John starting with John said, right? Basically the testimony of John. It comes along later, a little bit later. John's gospel is probably the fourth one of the, of the lot. And as, he, as it comes out, the, the new church is needing some direction. Like, what was it actually that Jesus did? Well, John the Baptist was one of the key figures, wasn't he? He knew Jesus. He knew him well. He knew him before a lot of others, and he also had a reputation himself as a prophet, as someone that God was using. So what John the Baptist had to say about Jesus was extremely important, right? And there's a chance that maybe, maybe some people were trying to put John the Baptist up on a pedestal, like, right alongside Jesus. So, here we are in the beginning of John. No, 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 you can't do that. This is actually what John had to say about Jesus. He is higher than me, and I have to decrease, right? And so that's, it was really important in this setting up the stage of, of doctrine and theology and who is Jesus and what do we believe, that what John had, the Baptist actually said was put out there so that it would clear up a lot of questions. So John's testimony was really key. John said. John saw Jesus. John saw Jesus and said. John testified, "I have both seen and testified." When John's two disciples heard him say this over and over and over again, we hear these speaking words and listening words. John's, John is testifying. This is the testimony of John, and in this case, it's testimony bearing witness with words. However, we also know a little bit about John the Baptist. What did he wear? Not much, right? He, what did he eat? He ate whatever he could, right? He was not a health, and wealth, a health and wealth preacher. He was out there living the life. He was giving of himself, making sacrifices. And so when he asked people to repent and to, to take off the world and to, to put on God's Holy Spirit, they could look and see that that's what he was doing. So did his life line up with his words? Yes, yes. Right, So therefore, it was a lot easier for people to go, well, he's doing it. Maybe, maybe I should listen. Um, one of the key things that, that comes out here uh, in John's testimony, and this is one of the reasons why some scholars think that, that um, there was this debate about whether John was supposed to be on a pedestal as well, is that John makes sure that he tells us who he is in relationship To to Jesus. And he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Right? So I am the voice, but there is a Lord coming. And that was one of John's um, missions. And that came from Isaiah, right? So this wasn't just from his own mind that he came up with some nice words. It it comes from Isaiah 40, verse 3. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. There are a number of things. We're going to kind of run through these, but there are a number of things that that John had to say. But who did he say them about? Jesus, right? I heard someone whisper it. It should be loud. Jesus, right? John had to say all these things about Jesus. So the testimony of John, first of all, was not about a what; it was about a who. So he was introducing people to Jesus. Jesus. Oh, yeah, there we go. Let's be later. So Jesus was the one about whom John the Baptist was speaking. So the test. first of all, the testimony of John was about Jesus. Well, that's key. So everything he had to do was, had had to say was about Jesus. So he is speaking of Jesus. So also, I wonder if we can take that to ourselves. When we're thinking about our testimony, it might be helpful to talk about the things that our lives have changed, how our lives have changed, and the good things that God is doing in our hearts. But why? Because of Jesus, right? Again, the key is to bring our our testimony back to the person who's made our testimony possible. So John the Baptist teaches us, let's bring it back to who Jesus is. Speak of Jesus. Now, again, when we speak of Jesus, sometimes that's all we need to do because the Holy Spirit can take it from there and introduce people to Jesus as well. So make sure that we're speaking about Jesus. And if Jesus isn't real in our hearts, Let's ask Jesus to come into our hearts and make it real so that we have that kind of testimony. All right, what were some of the things that John said about Jesus? Right? So John said about, again, this will be another five minutes off. You go, what are the sorts of things that we learn about Jesus from John the Baptist? But John spoke about Jesus in a few different ways, and he talked about him as the Christ, this is a big idea. He was the savior that they were expecting. He was the Messiah. Jesus was the, cho- the chosen one. He was the, the prophet in Deuteronomy eighteen fifty-five. They were looking for this prophet that would come that would lead the people of Israel into a new relationship with God. And John tells his audience that Jesus was that prophet. Um, he calls him the Lord. And the Lord means master. But the way that John used it, it also means the ruler of the universe. And there's only one Lord, and that's God. So Jesus was God. Wow, this is some big stuff. And he also talks about Jesus as the most worthy one. So these are big ideas, and not just ideas that John created. These were things that people, this was a person who people were expecting. This is something that the Old Testament scriptures, which was their Bible at the time, This was something they were looking for. They were looking for the Christ, it's Jesus. They were looking for the prophet, it's Jesus. They were looking, they wanted to know the Lord and the maker of the universe as their own Lord, it's Jesus. They want to know who is worthy, Jesus. And John brought them back to that over and over again. Um, The other really interesting thing about John and Jesus' relationship was that John, even with like his, the way that he, brought this all about is he would call people to repentance and then he would um, he would take them to the water and he'd baptize them right and he made sure that there was a he differentiated between that and what Jesus was going to do and was able to do afterwards and he said I'm baptizing you with water and then he talked to them about why that was so that when Jesus came they would recognize him as who he was so because if your hearts aren't ready for when Jesus comes then you're not going to, right? You're going to be one of those, those people like the Pharisees that, that saw him but rejected him. So by repenting and by coming to, to, um, to that place where they were willing to let themselves go underwater, come back up from the water, and make a change in their, the, their minds and the way they were thinking, that was key. Now, just to be clear on the whole baptism thing, to John that meant a little bit more than just like that one ducking motion it wasn't just that there was something that they also did and if you look through luke not in the gospel of john but in the gospel of luke he also talks about john the baptist as they all do but in luke luke's a little bit more concerned with um the the social aspect of the gospel like how it comes out right how it comes out to the people around and how there's justice like god is the god of justice and jesus is that person but john the baptist led the way in that regard too. And so you see Luke introducing John the Baptist using questions. So he'd say, well, a tax collector came to Jesus and said, what should I do? And John would say, well, this is what you should do. You should stop cheating people, right? Only take the taxes that you have to take and, and then see what you can do to help the people that you've cheated in the past, right? And so he went on and on like this. There's, there's three or four examples in Luke's Gospel about how people would come and ask specific questions about how they were supposed to show repentance. What did repentance look like for them in their situation as a tax collector, as a soldier, as, as a, so on? And John would give them answers. Repentance looks like this. Well, that points to Jesus, doesn't it? Because Jesus was coming later and was also going to say the same sorts of things. And more than that, he was going to make it possible. right? He was going to make that possible. But so John the Baptist did speak and he also um, acted and he also gave people a direction to their actions. What does repentance look like for you? But so I'm baptizing with water so that you will be ready for him when he comes. And that readiness was a repentance. It was it was turning around and acting in a different way than they had before. One other key thing that he talks about with this is that Jesus was the chosen one of God. And the chosen one of God was also, in their understanding and ours now, was the one who was to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. So I'm baptizing you with water, and you're repenting. but Jesus is going to come, and Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's another interesting concept that if you had five minutes to think about, it would probably take more than that. Wow, so the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Now, the, uh, all of the Gospels talk about this scene when Jesus actually meets John the Baptist, right? Jesus comes, and John, John the Baptist baptizes him. And in one, in some of the, some of the versions, Jesus kind of, John, John's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And Jesus says, no, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. I, you, this is the way that it's foretold that it will be, is you're going to baptize me to show people who I am. And John goes through with it and John reluctantly baptizes Jesus even though he knows that really it's Jesus who should be baptizing him. Well, Jesus is offering to baptize him too, it turns out because as Jesus goes under the water and comes back up, there's a a voice from heaven saying, this is my, right? This, uh, This is the one I'm chosen. This is my son. And there's also the, a picture of a dove, like a dove comes and rests. And so the Holy Spirit comes visibly and tangibly. And we, hear, we see that in all of the gospel accounts. But John's account is interesting because in John's account, who tells the story? Sorry, John the Evangelist's account. Who tells the story? John the Baptist tells the story. Is it? So read it later. So as you, as you read through, you'll see, actually, so it says, John the Baptist said... I saw the spirit descend like a dove. I heard the voice from heaven. Interesting. Well all the other gospels we're told that it happens, but there's not like a personal narrator. But in John's Gospel, there's a personal narrator. It's John the Baptist that tells us what happened when Jesus was baptized under his hands. Right? That's special. It gives us a personal connection. And it also gives John a role, and it fits, it fits very perfectly with what his role was as he describes it. I am the voice. I am the one preparing the way of the Lord and helping you see who he is. So yeah, and I found that really interesting. So John introduces us to Jesus as the one who takes that repentance and is able to, to bring the Holy Spirit into our lives, right? And so through Jesus's We don't know yet, but through Jesus's sacrifice coming up, um, we are able to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, which makes that difference so that that repentance and the actions that go along with that repentance are are really possible. Good, there's one other key thing that John introduces us to, and that is Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again, if you were to look at that uh, word cloud, that's what it's called, the word cloud. If you were to work at that, look at that word cloud, this lamb, God, pops up, pops up. It's really strong because he doesn't say it once. He says it two or three times in that, one, in that small passage. This is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And this is, again, a big idea. So why do we have it here? Right at the beginning of John's gospel, we've just, got, we've just gotten some, some interesting things about Jesus being the word. We've seen the testimony of John the Baptist And part of that testimony is that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what's happening here is John the Evangelist, whoever's writing the book, right, they want to make sure that from the very beginning, the very beginning of the the gospel account, we know what's coming. Jesus is going to give his life for you and for I and for us, right? He's not going to leave it till later to kind of bring it up as a suspense thing from the beginning we are introduced to this idea and this concept. And again, this doesn't come from John's mind. John the Baptist is, is a prophet in the true sense of the word, which means that he takes what's already been shown and he brings it into people's current situation. So, so this, um, a few different places that this might come from, probably it's all of them. So Genesis 22, maybe you recognize that story. It's the, the place where God asks Abraham, to sacrifice his, his son, his promised son, the, the son through whom God had said that he'd bless all the nations of the world. And Abraham obediently prepares the sacrifice and tells Isaac the whole time, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And then he ties Isaac to the altar as he's promising, as he's reaffirming that God is going to provide that lamb. And he took the knife and then there was a voice from heaven that said, Abraham, Abraham, enough, it's enough, stop. Right? I see you fear God, you're holding nothing back, but I will provide the sacrifice just like you told your son I would. Right? So there, this comes into um, John's proclamation that Jesus is the Lamb of God. It's the provision, it's God's provision for our sacrifice. So God set the precedent here through this act that there is no sacrifice that we can provide that's pure enough. That he sees our hearts and he sees our efforts, but he has to provide the sacrifice. And he's going to do it through Jesus. Or perhaps, or in addition, it's uh, this Jesus as the lamb of God is a reference to um, Exodus. to the Exodus from Egypt. And uh, Exodus 12 verse 20 says, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and told them, Go and select for yourselves a lamb or a young goat. Put the blood over your doorpost, and when you do, the angel of death will pass over you. Will ignore your house, your firstborn sons. They'll be spared. And maybe you'll remember the story that all the sons of the Egyptians they did not, they were not spared. But if that blood was on the doorpost, the angel of death passed over their home. So again. There is a price that we should be paying for our sin and for our separation from God. But Jesus is going to be the one, the Lamb of God, who God sees that blood and says, they're mine. So John the Baptist testifies, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he's referring to all of this history, Genesis 22, Exodus 12, 20. And there's also another place in Leviticus chapter 4 And Leviticus is full of rules, right? And one of the rules was what to do, how to sacrifice and what sacrifices look like. And the sin offering was mentioned in Leviticus 4 and the priest is supposed to sacrifice a bull if someone were to sin unintentionally. And you sprinkle that blood seven times in front of the Lord and then you take the unpresentable parts outside the camp and you destroy them. So John the Baptist testified, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And again, I think you can see how all three of these portions, how three of these pictures in the the Old Testament, and there are more, um, are pointing towards a person who is more than a person, who is God's chosen sacrifice for you and I. And again, it's mentioned there so that we're prepared as a reader for Jesus' purposeful sacrifice from the beginning of the account. Jesus, as revealed by John the Baptist and recorded here at the beginning of his account by John the Evangelist, is preparing for Easter, right? Even before he begins his ministry. So what, does, what difference does it make to keep Jesus' death and resurrection front and center in our own walk with life? So these are questions that I can't answer for you, so I'm not going to try. You have to look into your own hearts this week um, and spend some time in prayer. But what difference does it make to keep Jesus' death and resurrection at the center of your own walk with God? Because then there's a second question that goes along with that, and it's what difference does it make to keep Jesus' death and resurrection at the center of your testimony? Right? So first we need to ask ourselves the question about what... What does it mean to us that Jesus has died for us? And then, what does that fact that we know Jesus has died for us mean for the way that we live our lives and also for the words words we say, right? So that's something we need to take with us today. Uh, Another set of questions. So what difference does it make to repent and accept Jesus' ability to baptize us with the Holy Spirit in our own walk with God? So as we walk day by day, what what difference does it, what does it mean to us that we need to turn around and do something differently, that we need to ask a question like the tax collector did, like, I'm a tax collector, I've done this, 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 how do I repent? And John the Baptist said, yeah, stop cheating, (laughs) right? So what's in your life that needs to change, right? And once we ask ourselves that question, then we I think we're halfway or more than halfway to the question what happens to our testimony? Right? As our lives change and people see that, there's not too many words you need to use anymore, right? And and as as we as we go through our lives as believers, there's gonna there are many times, at least for me, I'm assuming for you too, that I need to repent, and I need to turn around, and I need to do something different. And when I do, that's when people see the light of Christ in me. That's when they, they see the Holy Spirit working. It's not when I get everything right, because thank God, because it's not too many times. But when we do turn around, and when we let God do that inside of our hearts, uh, people see that. That's where they see um, potential, because they can see God could do that to me, too. So... The question was, what difference does it make to repent and accept Jesus' ability to baptize us with the Holy Spirit in our own walk with God? And then what does that mean for our testimony, for, our, for the way that we speak and act in, in the world? One more question, or sets of set of questions. What difference does it make to know inside, in our soul, that God is the only one who can provide a sacrifice that's sufficient, and that he did, that he provided that sacrifice. So in our own lives, what does that mean, that God is our provision, God provided for us, God's the only one that can provide for us, and he did. And again, how does that affect your testimony once you realize that, that God provided for you, a sacrifice, and everything that I do and say from here on out is only possible because of him. So, I'm going to leave you with that. Not answers, but questions. What does it look like? But I also, but also want to t- t- uh, give you that chance to look back to John the, the Baptist, as, as, as mentioned in John the Evangelist. Just what, does, what is John the Baptist's testimony? It's who Jesus is. And who Jesus is in your life is a big part of who you have to say, to what you have to show the world. Yeah? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for giving us a testimony, for giving us a chance to, to talk and to show through our lives that you are working in our hearts, wherever that might be. Maybe you're drawing us to yourself today. Help us, give us the courage, if that's the case, to talk to someone and say, I sense that God is calling me to himself today to, to repent, to come to Jesus and allow for him to uh, for the provision that he's made of his sacrifice to be mine. And maybe we're in a different place and maybe we know God deep down inside. We know that that provision's been made and we're relying on him, even when we make mistakes, even when we sin, even when we turn away in moments. But we, ha- we know that, that God has made that provision for us and bring us back to that today, Father, and help us to know what it means to, to share through our lives, through the good in our lives, and through the bad, um, who you are. Always bring our testimony back to you, Jesus. And as a body, as a, as a church, as First Congregational, we ask that you will help us today to support one another, to, to be a witness, to be a testimony by the way that we care for one another, by the way we forgive one another, by the way we love on one another and fellowship. And may there be much fruit. Um, we can see see so much good. In Jesus' name, we pray. And one thing I forgot to mention, and it's key, is at the end, what happened, right? At the end of John the, Te- the Baptist's testimony, uh, verse 37, he turns to his disciples. John the Baptist turns to his disciples, and he says, there's the Lamb of God. And what did they do? They followed Jesus. So I encourage you today, That's what will happen as you share your testimony to you. God bless.